Welcome to the Chasing Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Megan, and I'm so excited that you're joining me today. Each episode is full of heartfelt and expansive content that will really help you expand your consciousness and grow as a person. I created this podcast because I wanted to share my own personal experiences on my spiritual journey, but I also wanted to meet others and have them share what they've been through and how they've gotten to where they are today. If you haven't done so already, it would really mean a lot to me if you could rate and review the podcast. This really helps the podcast grow and reach more people, but it also allows me to get more guests on the show. Now on to today's topic. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Chasing Spirituality. I am excited that you're joining me today. I am interviewing a guest today, and it's really funny because we uh, we actually did an interview yesterday, but I did not record it. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're going to basically be doing a repeat, and we are hoping that all of that happened for a beautiful reason, and that our episode today will be even better than what we recorded yesterday. Um, I'm really excited. We're talking a lot about emotional blocks and healing, self-sabotage, um, how to really get to the root of some of those, some of those deeper issues and traumas and wounds so that you can really transform and transmute that energy into, in, into something beautiful and step in alignment with who you really are. And, uh, I think that you're going to find this episode very helpful and very encouraging to look at where you are on your journey, no matter where you're at and realize that everyone still struggles and everyone still has something to heal. And that's, that's the beautiful part of, of life. You know, that's, that's why we're here. There's always more that we can uncover. There's always more than more that we can do. So without further ado, I'll uh, tell you a little bit about our guest. Bo Bissett spent the first four decades of his life punishing, mutilating, demeaning, and destroying himself. Then somewhere along the line, he realized that those daily practices only made things worse. This is when he discovered muscle testing. He found a book on Amazon and decided to try it for himself. Using muscle testing, he realized that he could communicate with his subconscious. And doing this, he was able to find emotions and find patterns and blocks and be able to communicate with them so that he could finally learn to clear them and release them with breath work. That is when his program Amoni was born. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where he talks more about his program Amoni and how beneficial it is for anyone that is healing, limiting beliefs, and trauma. I guess let's start off um, with a little bit about who you are and tell us about Bo and your healing journey and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Um, my name is Bo Bissett. Um, I consider myself uh, a healing guide. Uh, using the Amoni system. Um, the Amoni system is a system that I've created that combines muscle testing, uh, meridian release points, a pranayamic breath called the Amo breath, and uh, neuro-linguistic programming. And I got to this point to create all of this because I was broken. And you know, to heal, you know, we have to have something to heal. And <laughs> I had a lot to heal. And I guess like everybody else, we all have, you know, we have different amounts and sizes and pieces of baggage that we are carrying around. And um, I don't know how much I was much more I was carrying than others, but I mean, I had my own stuff and that's what brought me to this point. Uh, the majority of my uh, problems, emotional problems were centered around self-worth and anger, uh, anxiety, anxiety was a big one for me as well. And, and it started from a very young age. And when I was young, a lot of, uh, I started a lot of manifesting a lot of physical problems, uh, broken bones, um, getting sick. And it's not like I was a sickly child, but um, yeah, I used 
I use getting sick to like avoid, especially like avoid going to school. Like I was always trying to get out of going to school. I hated going to school. And so I would try to, I would play sick. And then that was just a way that I was like, oh, if I play sick, then I get out of going to school. If I get play sick and I get what I want. And then so that was just, just manifested in, in more injuries and sicknesses throughout my life. Uh, when I was 15, I got, uh, I destroyed my knee in a soccer match. And from then I just turned to drugs and alcohol because I lost my identity. And yeah, my, my drug and alcohol addiction is, uh, my journey is very, it's a, it's a very sobering story. When I was 19, I got in a car accident where I almost killed myself. I rolled a car through a telephone pole and the cop that showed up on scene it was late at night, but he saw, uh, luck, lucky to be in the same area as the accident. He saw the accident, called the, uh, the medical team and said, you know, you guys, you guys take your time. This guy's, you know, there's no way this guy's alive. But when they showed up, they realized I was alive. And so they airlifted me eventually when they pried me out of the car to the uh, hospital. On the way, sometime during the accident or way to the hospital, my dead grandfather showed up. Um, I had a near-death experience and my grandfather told me to go back that it wasn't my time. And I had regretted that decision after that point for like the next 20 years. Uh, the way that I drank alcohol was like, I just wanted to put myself to sleep and I wanted to, I didn't want to wake up the next morning. Um, that was just my way. Like <laughs> I didn't have the quote unquote boss to do it any other way. Um, I was just hoping that, that uh, yeah, the alcohol would take care of it for me. Um, so I got over that, ac that accident. Two years later, I got I had a similar accident where I left work. I stopped at uh, a our fraternity house, uh, did a keg stand and drank a bunch of more beer, then rode my skateboard home and to get cleaned up and then go back to the party. But on the way home, I got hit by a car and almost lost my right leg. Um, I got a staph infection during that accident and like, it's just whole nother, the exact same thing, just repeated all over again. I finally graduated from school uh, with all my limbs and I got a decent job and I started making really good money. And then I got into cocaine. And it's one of those things I had tried and, and loved in university. But, um, you know, as a university kid, you don't have that much money, right? So when I started having money, I was like, well, all right, this is awesome. And I got so deep into it that I, I was like, man, I drug my parents through all of this addiction with my alcohol. There's no way I can tell them, like, uh, you know, I've got a cocaine problem. So I gave away everything I owned. I booked a trip to London. I, I booked a one-way flight to London. I had a friend there. And I gave my brother the keys to my car as I was leaving the country. And I was like, it's all yours, do with it, whatever you want. And I just, I left. And from that point on, I just moved from country to country, just bouncing around. Yeah, just run, basically running away, running away from life and not dealing with things. And it wasn't until my late thirties that that caught up with me. Um, my body started breaking down and I was with my aunt and uncle at the time and they, uh, my aunt got breast cancer. And so that was like a double whammy. And I was like, dude, you've got to get it together. And so that's what happened. And I just sat down with myself and I was like, all right, I don't have no idea how I'm going to do this. Um, I started, I think the first book that I bought was called Love Yourself First. And I remember reading that book and like, you know, feeling like, wow, this is, you know, this really resonates with me. And, but I remember looking in the mirror and I even, I even put this uh, sticky note with I love you on the mirror so I could say those words. But I was looking at that paper and I was looking at the, my reflection in the mirror, saying those words to myself. I love you. I love you. I love you. And thinking, I don't. I don't love you. Oh, you're a piece of, you know, poo. And yeah, the, that was that was the very beginning of my journey. It took me six six or seven more years before I discovered the, what I'm working on right now. And um, 
Yeah, but that's that's kind of a journey. Yeah, that's um, that's very moving, especially considering you know everything that you've been through and where you are now. And I hope, and I'm sure I'm sure that you are, but I hope you're you're so proud of yourself for overcoming um, all of those obstacles and um, allowing yourself to heal and allowing yourself to be to be who who you're meant to be. Honestly, yeah, you're right. I mean, of the things that I've accomplished um, with my healing and in life in general, probably beating addiction was is the number one. Because the thing is, like, when I when I found this work and I started to, uh, working with it, um, I, was, I was as I was going through it, I was th I remember thinking to myself, man, this is like these emotions, these are the root, these are the foundation for all of my issues, for all of our issues. Like, our, we are emotional beings having an emotional experience here on earth. The subconscious uses our emotions to dictate how we live our life. So if I'm pulling these emotions, if I'm connecting with them and letting them go, then, and I find the emotions that are attached to my addiction, you know, or my addictive tendencies, then I should be able to have a drink again. And so I remember thinking that, and it had been, it had been, I don't know, four or five years since I'd had a drink after that. And I was just like, I just, based on my story, I, I think, you know, that I pushed the limits. Um, so I was like, I think I could do it. I just really want to try. Like, and so I did. Um, and I had a drink, uh, like a glass of wine one weekend. Um, I had a glass of wine because that's not something I would ever really drink, but you know, it's, it seemed like a sophisticated thing to do. So I was like, <laughs> I'll have a glass of wine. And, uh, usually I was a, a whiskey or beer guy. And so I did that. I'm like, all right, okay. I did it. Usually like if I had a drink, like as soon as that alcohol touched my lips, it was like party on, like, and I was just a monster and, you know, one drink would turn into 20. And so I did it. And then the next weekend I did it again. And then the next weekend I did it again. And I was like, I realized, wait a second, this is not, uh, you know, I can feel it. I can feel it awakening. So I did more work uh around the addiction like specifically with addiction with alcohol with drugs with my addictive tendencies and just like just just bombarded that uh addiction with uh you know pulling the emotions attached to it and it finally i finally did it and now i honestly there's a beer in the refrigerator that's why it's been in there for six months and yeah that's the last time i had a beer i think i went and bought two and um, just two single cans. And I have the choice now, like I can go and, you know, work out in the garden or do something. And then, you know, after a long day at work and just sit on the porch and have a beer. And I did that. And like, I mean, yeah, I, I'm super proud of that. And it's just too, you know, because most people tell you, oh, you know, once you're, you know, and I don't like labels, but, you know, once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. And I was always thought, you know, man, that is BS. I don't like that because I don't like that a uh, an uh, a substance, you know, a, a brown liquid, you know, that you know people use just to relax has that much control over me. I was like, there's no way. I I do not I do not submit to that. And I did it, and I owned it, and yeah, now I have the choice. So thank you, I appreciate it. Same yeah, way. yeah. Um, I agree with you 100% on, on the whole label thing. I think that we so easily fall into um, label traps, whether that be, um, you know, addictions, um, calling ourselves, you know, that we're an addict of some sort, or even when it comes to our sexuality, feeling like we have to identify by, you know, our sexual preference um, in our mental, um, our mental state, people claiming, mm -hmm. well, I'm, I, I'm depressed. I, I have depression. Um, I have, you know, whatever it is that, you know, your doctor wrote down on a mm. piece of paper to put into your file. Uh -huh. I don't, I don't think that any of those things are, are good for us because that's saying that that's who you are. And you get this idea that that's who you're going to be forever. 
Mm, that and, is so true. Gosh, yeah. so, so true. And we, you know, we're not meant to be the same. Uh, if you think about it, you know, you change every single day, but even like big changes, you're not the same person you were a year ago. You're not the same person you were, especially five, six, seven, eight years ago. And you're not going to be the same person in a year from now. So mm. don't let these labels that you may resonate with and you may identify with them right now. But don't Mm -hmm. hold them so close that you feel like you have to identify with that completely because that's when you'll fall into the trap. And and you put that you're putting yourself in a box is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you're not allowing yourself to grow and expand outside of that box because then you become afraid to change from that label that you've given yourself. Yeah. Some people just hang on to them and they're just like, oh, this is who I am. And like, yeah, I mean, you and I the I like the what you mentioned about you know about change. Like you and I are you and I are physically different uh now than when we started this interview, right? I mean, so I mean we're constantly internally we're changing. And so yeah, the those labels are so, so dangerous on so many, even just like you said, for you know, to sexuality or even like people with, you know, oh, I have uh, you know, like you said, depression, like I mean, it's just like yeah be just be so careful with how you label yourself yeah absolutely and it's okay to claim things in the moment you know you can say yeah I'm feeling sad right now I'm depressed right now or I'm feeling anxious but don't go as far as to feeling like that's who you are and that that Mm. is your identity because then it's going to make it a lot harder for you to put it behind you when you're ready to grow and you're ready to expand out of it yeah, I think I like what you said earlier about like I'm feeling instead of saying I am depressed, like say I'm feeling depressed, right? Or there's a you know there's you know that's a better way than saying I am, right? So mm-hmm. I'm feeling because I am is powerful. Sad. Yeah, exactly. It really is. I am, and yeah, I have. I have is very too because they're like all right, oh, I own this thing, right? So I have like. Uh, I have ADHD or I have like, you know, I think a lot, you know, I think a lot of these things are, are uh, manifestations of our, our, of our minds, right? Just like I, a lot of these diseases and, you know, you know, uh, uh, what do you call them? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Things yeah, that people they identify are. with. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are because, you know, we're energy, we're energy beings and energy is never meant to, you know, it's never meant to stay the same. It's always moving. It's always evolving. And, um, like you said, you know, your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions, they play a part into, you know, these, these illnesses, these mental illnesses, these certain identities that may come up because sometimes that energy gets stuck and it creates blocks and, if we're not moving it, if we're not healing it and we're not transmuting it, then we may, it, it may stick around for a little while. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of like you with the alcohol, you know, you mentioned that you had a feeling of unworthiness. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that feeling of um, unworthiness resonates with the same vibrational frequency as alcohol. A lot of people that struggle with their self-worth and there's, you know, and loving themselves they will go towards, towards um, substances like alcohol and drugs. And mm-hmm. it is a form of escape, escapism, but it also matches where they're at so that it can keep them stuck at that frequency. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, whether this is, you know, your personal um, journey or personal experience or just in general, um, do you have any insight on what causes us to just feel so um so worthless sometimes whether you know whether it's um something that's deeper that we have to really get through or maybe it's just something that you know just something we're experiencing um my uh based on what i've been through it was uh emotions uh, is the emotion that i embodied to uh to traumatic instances when I was, uh, when I was a child, uh, you know, our subconscious is constantly programming us and ha- grabbing onto, uh, emotional reactions as you know, when we're, we're children, 
and programming those and, and storing those for the next time a similar instance happens. So then it can just cue that, cue that emotion and get back to the work of like running your heart rate and pumping your lungs and regenerating cells and all that other stuff. Right. So the subconscious is a mega efficient entity and its main focus is internally so anything that happens on the x in the external world that threatens the safety of the internal environment it wants you know it wants to take care of immediately so and our so our first most of the time our first reaction to us to to an instance to a traumatic instance to an emotional uh to to any external event gets embodied and anchored and that is the reaction that we use from that day forward to to cue when a similar instance happens and so we get stuck i mean basically you know the majority of adults are running around this world with program were installed by toddlers right so the way that we feel about love money family uh work food exercise everything that we <laughs> that we think and feel and say and do is based on the emotional reactions of a child and so yeah that is why you know when i when I started releasing the, the, the emotions, like they were, you know, emotions that popped up when I was in grade school and when I was a kid and they were all things that as soon as, a, when I connected with those emotions, it was just, it was a sobering experience because like it was, I mean, I, I knew that my, my actions, I knew that I was, uh, um, that my life had turned out the way it had because of the choices that I had made. But I always thought that, you know, you know, you know, I'd done the work, like, you know, as far as like, as like work-wise, um, you know, I, you know, I've done this, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? And um, that was the frustration. I, I found that frustration is the, is the uh, is friction caused from your conscious self going against your subconscious self, right? So consciously, you know, I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to have a great business. I wanted to have a wonderful uh, partner that, you know, we loved each other and blah, blah, blah. But subconsciously, I didn't think that I was worthy of that. I did, I thought I was angry. I hated myself, I, blah, 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 right? So the consciously i'm i'm doing things that are that are taking me closer to or that are trying to take me closer to those end goals but subconsciously i do all of these micro actions not a, not only actions but uh the things that i do the things that i say the things that i think the emotions that i feel and the energy that i give off is all tuned into the or was tuned into the subconscious belief of me not being worthy or me being angry so that's what the that's where that self-sabotage comes from right we're just constantly undermining ourselves from from com accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish because the subconscious is the king yeah very so, well said yeah and it's just and that's that's where that frustration comes because i was always like why and I, I remember those were my exact words. Why can I not do this? Why am I like, why is so-and-so doing this and I'm not doing it? Why can I not make it happen? I am doing the work and it's not happening. And I was just like, and it just make me more and more angry. And that was that frustration because I was going against my own programs. And, you know, who... Who wins that battle, right? Your conscious self with its, you know, hopes and dreams. Oh, I want this or this. Or your subconscious who's in control of keeping you alive. You know, the subconscious wins every time. Yeah. Um, what, uh, it all, what you said also sounds like something similar to what I teach, which is um, when I'm trying to um, help people, I guess, do the work and um, do the shadow work so that they can find out what's 
you know, what needs to be healed is I tell them to look at their triggers, which would be a frustration. Um, yeah. And I'm, I tell them when you're triggered, what's happening is it's your ego battling against your soul. Your soul knows who you are deep down. Your soul knows what's best for you. Your soul knows where alignment is. Your soul knows what your purpose is and what your best, highest self and potential can be. Whereas your ego is the subconscious programming. It's the limiting beliefs. It's all the lies that you've been told your whole life that you've been telling yourself your whole life. So when you feel that frustration, when you have those triggers surface, that's what it is. It's you battling. Like you said, it's like you're battling yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, yeah. God, I, I remember how frustrated I used to be. It was just, it was like, oh, I was, I was like just running up against the wall. And it was just like, and I was doing it over and over again. It was just like, and then, but it wasn't like, you know, I was doing the same thing, right? I'd try something different and then that wouldn't work. And then I'd try something different and that wouldn't work. And I was just like, why, why? But it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the conscious thing, the things that I could see that I was doing was the things that I couldn't see that I was doing. And like, and like some of, you know, these things that we do are so small. It might be a word that you say at the wrong time, or it might just, a, you know, a feeling that you, that you evoke when you're talking to someone and then that pushes them away from you. Um, you know, like uh, a boss or, you know, a friend or something like that. And it just, and it we, it's, can be so, so subtle, but you know, if you are vibrating at the, that level, you know, if you're carrying that, those emotions, then yeah, you, they will undermine you and they will keep you where you are. Right. Yeah. And it's like you said, you know, most of our emotions and our programming that we carry with us, it's all from childhood. So, you know, you've got to think about how are your parents, even if you had amazing parents that took care of you, you know, they have their own baggage and they have mm -hmm. their own traumas and they have their own hiccups and they may have never, you know, did anything to you that you would ever consider really traumatic, but that doesn't mean that you weren't traumatized. You know, trauma is, it's based on an emotional response from the individual who experiences it and children there's a lot of things that are traumatic to children because mm -hmm. we come into this world, you know, super ready to be programmed so that we can be protected and we can be safe and stay alive. So everything is scary to a child. Everything is, you know, can be traumatic to a child. And exactly. that's where it all begins. Exactly. Yeah. We look at it. We look at a trauma now, you know, most people look at a trauma. I, I like what you said about, you know, the just emotional response, because that's exactly the definition of a trauma. It's just an emotional response, right? So, you know, our, you know, being adults and being exposed to, you know, life, you know, we look at trauma like, oh, trauma is war or like a car accident or something like that. But like, you know, for a kid, like a trauma can be like a butterfly landing on their shoulder or like, I don't know, uh, uh, it could be anything, right? So it's it's so so small, and like those small things are what first gets recorded, and like and there, there's so many of them that we don't, you know, even as kids we don't even realize. But like it's just getting is that that's that subconscious is just you know it's just like you're recording the Zoom meeting right now. It's just like you know that's what that the subconscious is doing. It's just recording everything. So it can make sense of the world and then build the build the experience that it's going to give you to keep you safe. And then it's our job as we get older to heal and find those things that, the, that were, were programmed, release them. And then so we can consciously achieve the things that we want away from the programs that we initially installed. Absolutely. Yeah. And this looks, you know, this can look different for so many, so many people, depending on what your experiences were. And it can be something so small. That's why you'll, you'll talk to, you know, siblings sometimes who are close to the same age, grew up in the same household with the same parents, yet they'll have completely different experiences and different um, emotional responses to how they were raised. It may where one uh, sibling may feel like they were, you know, really neglected where the other sibling is like, no, we had the best parents ever, you know, like <laughs> it's just, it's, it's all up to the individual and how, you know, and how they experienced it. Yeah. My brother and I were exactly like, the, like he, 
he graduated school, um, got married, had two kids, like has a great job, making tons of money, like just, you know, and then I went the exact opposite, right? I, I graduated school, started making money, then thought I wasn't good enough and just ran away, right? And then I had all my issues. So, you know, we're, yeah, we're, he and I are black and white, so. Yeah, yeah, it happens just like that. Um, and you said that um, earlier when we were talking, you were talking about finding those emotional blocks and this is part of your of your Amoni uh, program that you created uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your program and um really just um how wonderful it is because it it's um it's definitely something so innovative that I think everybody should hear about no thank you very much yeah the muscle testing um I experienced muscle testing firsthand after uh, I met my wife who I moved to Taiwan about five years ago and I was been on my healing journey about, I think three years by that point. And I met my wife uh, then, was who wasn't my wife, but I met her and we just instantly hit it off. And, but when like we had the most amazing chemistry but we like we would have very big uh very big arguments and the last one that we had was like all right this is it like you know we've got to figure this out and a friend of ours introduced uh introduced us to this individual who did some muscle testing and did then did a uh a, a version of what i do now and so I went through that and then I had been exposed to muscle testing before, um, but it was only through like um, pair, pair work, you know, like one person standing, you know, with their our arm extended and the other, the test, the testing person standing behind them and like pushing down on their arm when they ask a question. So a uh, yes answer and the arm stays extended and, and then no, the arm drops. And I, I always thought like, you know, it's a cool party trick, but like, I, uh, like, I don't want to do that with somebody else. Like, yeah how do you do it on yourself and then when i figured out by doing this it worked with this other individual that i could use muscle testing on myself but like that was a game changer for me and so i we i went through this work with this individual and like ah oh, it was just because i had done everything up to that point i had done meditation i had done tony robbins i had done joe dispenza i had done dr sue mortar i had done uh mind valley courses i'd spent thousands of dollars on courses and 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 uh obscure things that my wife and i tried here in taiwan um we went to one doctor with jack like literally like stabbing me with a stick <laughs> <laughs> and um so like nothing, like I, I would always experience some, you know, a little bit of benefit, but then I would always revert. I was always revert back to getting sick, getting hurt, like, and like just my sorry state of just feeling horrible. And the minute the muscle testing, we did the muscle testing or did, did this work with this individual, like the minute I started working with him, I was like, oh, this is it. This is, this is the thing. And we were able to go in using muscle tests and he was able to find like the emotions that I'd buried, what age that we put them there or I put them there. And then the circumstances surrounding that, that instance. And it was just like, it was almost like, it was kind of like, kind of like fortune telling with, with him just, you know, you know, using the muscle testing to, to um, like reverse fortune telling, right? So for him mm -hmm. using muscle testing and then finding out the details surrounding this event, I was like, "Whoa, man!" And then we dug it. We dug into that event. I was like, "Oh my god, that is like, you know, that's what happened." And so once I connected with that and let it go, it was just oh, amazingly, uh, yeah, it just turned my life around just almost immediately from the first from the first session. Like I cried like three hours after that. And then like three months on, as I was going through this, this process, yeah, just cried and cried and cried. I weighed about 175 pounds when I started. Um, and then when I finished, I weighed about 155 and I'm not somebody that should lose that amount of weight. Like I'm pretty fit. So it just, that, that, the emotions that we hold, our body's like a, like a high school hallway, just littered with lockers. And 
inside those lockers, we store emotions. We store them in our hip and our heart and our uh, wrist and like everywhere. And so when you connect with those emotions and you let them go, they're holding on to physical matter. And when you release them, that releases. And, you know, it comes out through crying, comes out through weight loss um, and, you know, uh, through like going to the bathroom, like there's a huge, huge release that comes through, a physical release that comes through with this. And so the, and then I went through all of that and I told you about the, the alcohol and how I, I had to go deeper to figure that out. And then, so that's where I started taking the work that he used and started developing it into Amoni because when I went through it, one of the biggest emotions that I uh, that I experienced was anxiety, and I com- I connected with it at one point, and I remember thinking like, you know, oh my God, like my life is my life is finally changing, like I'm finally doing the work that's that that is changing my life and that is that is making a significant difference in how I will wake up and. And I will view the world. I was so, I was, <laughs> I was so used to viewing the world the way I had been. I was scared about what would happen next, right? So it's like, you know, better the devil you know than the one you don't, right? So mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, oh my God, you know what, like what's going to happen next? What, you know, if, you know, I was just letting go of all this stuff, but then I didn't have anything to hang on to anymore, right? So anxiety was the biggest, uh, one of the biggest um, side effects of the process that I was going through. And my wife is going through, she was doing Reiki. She had just learned how to do Reiki at the time. And so she was using that to help, like to help calm me down. But uh, again, I, I prefer to do things on my own. So that's when, as I was doing this work, I came up with the Amo breath and the Amo breath is, takes away the need for like an an external source to help you out while you're doing this clearing. Um, The Amo breath is a three-part breath. Uh, It's, it's three part. It's basically spelled the spelling of the, the breath A-M-O walks you through the process. So with the ah, imagine white light coming down from the, from the universe in through the crown of your head, down your throat and into the heart center. And with the M part, the M is the hum. So it's like, um, with the M, you're humming that energy and swirling it around in your chest center counterclockwise. And with the O, you're pushing it out. So it's, um, oh. It's a really, really long breath. And we use that, that humming breath, to, uh, that, that humming vibration stimulates the vagus nerve as well. So I put together the breath and then the neuro-linguistic programming on the, at, at, the, uh, at the end of each session to help grease the wheels and tension and, and move the individual uh, past, the, past the emotions that they were holding on to and further down the path of their hopes and dreams. So that's, uh, yeah, that's Amoni. And it's the muscle testing for me, it was so transformative because it puts you in direct contact with your body. Um, And for me, I think that is one of the biggest problems that we face today is that we are so many of us are disconnected from our own body, from our own self, because as soon as we're born, we start listening to our parents. And then we go to school as we start listening to the teachers. And then we fall in our with our group of friends and we start listening to them. And then we go to work and we start listening. So we've lost our voice, our own inner voice long, long time ago. And Muscle testing puts you back in touch with that voice. The another side benefit of this work is that once you start muscle testing and once you get comfortable with it, it took me about a month before I was really comfortable with a yes or no answer. And for for those that don't know, uh, for muscle testing, what I do, I, I'm left, I'm right-handed, so I use my left hand as my control hand, and I use my pink and uh, thumb and make a ring. 
And then with another ring, I use my right hand and I'm using my pinky finger and my thumb. And so basically it's more the same as like couple muscle testing. So a yes, the rings stay together if you pull and a no, they pry apart. And it takes a while for you to find your yes and no. Like, what is it, right? Because you're talking to yourself. And at first you're thinking like, I was, I was like, man, this is BS. Like, what am I doing? Um, like, but it does work, but it takes time for you to, to find out, to, to, to hone, to hone in, you know, and, and actually establish that communication with your body. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a dance, a dance. You know, you're, you're learning to dance with your body, with your subconscious and, and what, what that yes and no feels like. But once that trust is established, then the communication is opens and you have the keys to the castle and you can go in and you can ask your body any question that you want. If you know how to release the emotion that you find, then boom, you are off to the races and running. And so yeah, that's how, uh, that's how it works. Yeah, I love that. And um, I like what you, what you said about how we're so disconnected from our bodies because we truly are, especially in the kind of society and the kind of world that we live in today. We, we don't live in our bodies anymore. We live in our minds and we definitely have, you know, we, most people value their minds more than our bodies, but every emotion is felt in the, in the body before we associate a feeling or a thought with it. So, you know, that was also a really big part of my own healing journey as well is, is learning to release the mind and get back into my body and ask myself, how am I feeling physically? Not what am I, not what thoughts am I associating with this feeling? Because most of the time we don't even know where the, the feeling was that originally started this um this whirlwind of thoughts and emotions that start going on exactly let me share with you a tool this is something that my wife introduced me to recently and in chinese it's called guashao i believe you can look it up on amazon it's uh, g-u-a it's two words g-u-a and then the second word is s-h-a and this uh it's a small tool i think this one is it's either plastic or it might be made from ivory or something. I don't know. But this one, there's this tool. Um, and there's, there are, there are different shapes and sizes, right? So this, this, this tool as well. All right. Mm-hmm. And basically it, she was using it to, you, you use it to basically scrape, scrape, you know, s- scrape the skin. Uh, you can use it on your sky, just anywhere. And then basically she used it as you know, part of her, uh, I guess beauty routine, right? And so she was like, "You need to try this because it'll, you know, it's good for like stimulating the circulation, you know, in in your body, right?" And so, like my my right lower leg, I almost lost my right lower leg. So below the place where you know where I had the biggest trauma, like the blood flow is not that good. So I started using it, and. It is an amazing tool to just do. It's very meditative. It gets you to slow down. Basically, you put some put oil on the area that you're just going to work on, and then you just go and just, and you, you work on it. And you just feel, you know, you feel the feelings, and and you feel, you know, the tension release as 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 you as you're doing it. And this is just like one one example of a way that to get in touch with your body, right? It just forces you to slow down and like. And feel like what is going on with your body as you're using this uh, this tool. And I just started using this a couple of weeks ago, and it's like this is this this is a huge huge addition to what I'm what I'm currently working on, and you know, to help to help myself be a better person. Yeah, I love that. I love that um, suggestion um, because sometimes if we have been disconnected for most of our lives and most of us have, especially if we have experienced um, trauma, it's, it's hard to get back into your body. And sometimes Mm. when, when you do it, it can be very, very uncomfortable and sometimes Mm. even painful. Um, Mm. So if, if you're listening to this and you haven't done any work like this and um, you know, maybe you're a little, you're a little afraid or you're not sure um, how it's going to feel, 
you can always start off really small and just start off with one small part of the body. You know, um, if you use these, these tools, you know, you could start off with just an arm or just a hand or just a part of your leg. Um, and, um, just start off somewhere and it does, it will help you slow down. And when we're able to slow down and be really present with what we're currently doing, whether that is doing some kind of meditative or mindful practice, or whether it's cooking dinner or, you know, really, um, being very, very, um, engulfed in a conversation, that's when your subconscious is going to, uh, I guess, quiet down a little bit and allow you to really have those epiphanies and those downloads and those big um, moments of awareness to where you'll be able to tap into who you really are and not just the programming. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you didn't mention where you got the name. I like, oh, I like yeah. that story. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Ama. Uh, Ama in Spanish means I love, and Ni in Chinese means you. So together, uh, literally translates into I. That is the goal of what I, uh, the goal of what I walk people through. Because I remember me, the, my first book was uh, Love Yourself First, and I remember looking in the mirror and like trying to tell myself that I love myself when I didn't believe it, right? But that is the goal of like and of what I do. And so, in fact, if, uh, I've got a love yourself guarantee, like if you, if I walk you through this process and you are not able to say that, then you don't have to pay, like you pay nothing, uh, or re refund all your money. Um, but I want the individual to go through, to have this experience and be able to release the emotions. So they are honestly able to look in the mirror and tell themselves, I love you. And me. I love that. And I think that you are definitely a good, um, a good example of someone where you can say, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter um, how you felt about yourself growing up or even in throughout adulthood. It doesn't matter what kind of um, experiences you've had and what kind of roads you've gone down. You can get to a point where you can say, I love you and actually mean it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the thing about this, like the one more thing I wanted to say about this work is like, it's just so empowering because the, you know, a lot of people go like in traditional like society nowadays, we're taught to heal. We got to take a pill, right? You got to go to a doctor who then writes you a, a permission slip for you to go to another doctor for you to get what you think is going to heal you, right? And so we've been conditioned to believe that healing exists outside of ourselves. Well, with this, with the Omni process, I use muscle testing. I'm the guide. Like I take people on this journey and I use muscle testing to find the emotion that they've hidden, that they've buried. But then the individual that's, that's doing the work that, you know, that's the key word, doing the work. They are doing the work. We find it. They connect with it then they use the emotional uh, the, uh, release points on their own body. And then they use the ammo breath to move the emotion. So I'm basically just like, I'm there showing them where all of this stuff is and then walking them through the process as they heal themselves. So the Amoni process is just, it's, it's empowering because they're doing it, you know, they are doing the work. So Absolutely. Yeah, we are so our bodies are are capable of so much that I mean, we have no idea. And I agree with you on, on that as well. Like we we don't need um, doctors and pills and all these other things to to heal um, for most most of the time. Our bodies are the reason why we have these symptoms. The reason why we have illnesses is because your body is warning you that there is something that you need to be aware of. There is some kind of block. There's some kind of um, energy um, manifestation in the body that it wants you to be aware of so you can release it. Exactly. I, I, I agree exactly. Yeah. And I know you mentioned Reiki earlier that, you know, your wife um, learned Reiki. I, I learned Reiki as well. And one of the first things that, that they teach you, at least that they taught me is 
you don't heal anyone. Mm. You are just the, just the channel. You're just mm. the person that helps facilitate it, but you, yeah. you don't heal anyone. No. Yeah. That's, that's a, I totally resonate with that because it's so true. Like I am my own healer. You're your own healer. The next person is their own healer. Right. You know, I've, you know, you've healed yourself. I've healed myself now. You know, we're basically, you know, we're a little bit further down the path and we're, you know, reaching back with an extended hand saying, Hey, I got you. I've done this. Follow me. I can show you how to do it, but you're the one that has to actually take those steps and, you know, you know, do the work and, and heal it. So, but right. You, Absolutely. Yeah. We can, we can guide, but, uh, at the end of the day, you've got to be willing to, uh, to put in the work. Exactly. All right. Well, before we wrap up, um, do you want to share um, a little bit about what you've got going on, where you can be found? So your website um, and yeah, cool. um, your offerings and stuff like that. Yeah. Check out the uh, if, if this work, uh, you know, what I've said resonates with you. Come check out the website. Uh, Amoniclear.com. A-M-O-N-I-C-L-E-A-R.com. And yeah, I don't have any cookies on the website. There's no, uh, there's no like pop-up email forms. There's no jump on my list. Like either like this resonates with you or not. And if it does like reach out and send me a message and, you know, let's start a conversation and see what you've done and, you know, what needs to be done. And yeah, we'll start from there. So I think that's the best place to start. And then, yeah, I'm on Facebook and YouTube and YouTube's I think the best, the most, the channel that I'm using the most now for, for videos and education stuff. So, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been uh, great having you on the show and getting to have two amazing conversations with you. Um, I, agree. I, I hope that the, um, the listeners uh, resonated with you and, and your story. I know I definitely did. It's very similar to my own. And um, like you said, if, if this does resonate with you, definitely go, Go check out his website and I will leave all the links and everything in the description. Thank you so much, Maggie. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you love. And it would mean so much to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe so that the podcast can reach and assist more people. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love. <laughs>